Hey, welcome back to the Fam Lab. We appreciate you listening week in and week out. We have got an awesome episode. This one is chock full, as they say, of some really good, awesome information on family conflict. We heard uh, from two of our favorite guests that we've had so far. We'll definitely be having them back. Matt, you want to tell us who we heard from? Barrett, Mikey and I got to sit down with Greg Pirtle and Elise Thompson. Uh, Greg is a 20-year ministry veteran, and he also has completed his master's in conflict resolution and reconciliation from Abilene Christian, and he's now working as a conflict consultant uh, through My Conflict Mentor, and you can learn more about Greg Pirtle at myconflictmentor.com. We also had Elise Thompson. Elise is a licensed marriage and family therapist uh, with over 15 years of experience. Uh, She does work in the Allen area and also partners with the Park Avenue Church of Christ in Denison. And you can learn more about Elise at EliseThompsonTherapy.com. And this truly was a great conversation. Uh, Very much uh, looking forward to sharing it with each one of you. Hey, follow us on Facebook. You can uh, be our friend over there at the Fam Lab has a Facebook uh, group, and we are also would love to hear from you uh, at hellofamlab at gmail.com. Matt mentions this later in the episode, but uh, send us some of the things that work and haven't worked for your family as far as conflict is concerned. We would love uh, to have our email blowing up uh, just so people know that they're not alone and have some of the same struggles and those sorts of things. So we appreciate you guys helping us out and helping others out. Uh, remember, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It does us uh, a great deal. And you can also share this with your friends. That would go a long way as well. So we won't waste any more of your time. Let's get into an awesome episode on family conflict. Welcome to this week's Fam Lab conversation. We are so excited about the topic of family conflict. Uh, we're not excited about conflict itself per se, but we're excited about uh, talking about it, and we are really blessed to have two great guests in studio today. We have Greg Pirtle and Elise Thompson, and each are going to uh, really bless us with uh, some ways that we can think about conflict in a healthy way, and uh, some ways that we can, you know, apply some principles to our own families. Uh, and we're looking forward to learning from them today. So we'll let them introduce themselves. Greg, if you want to go first and, and, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks, Matt. Um, glad to be here. My name is Greg Pirtle. I've spent the last 19 years in ministry, most of that with middle school and high school students, uh, the last three or four working with families. I do have a master's degree in conflict resolution and reconciliation from Abilene Christian University. And I am currently using that as a consultant, trainer, basically working with anybody who wants help dealing with conflict. So families, individuals, nonprofits, and it's okay to be excited about conflict because sometimes that can be good, you know? So I'm excited to be here and and to just get to share and learn also. So uh, thanks for having us. Yes. Yes, I agree. Thank you very much for having us here today. I'm Elise Thompson, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've been in practice for about 17 years. And uh, so I help uh, individuals, families, couples with conflict all of the time. And, And then I live in a family. And so I also get to, I know you looked kind of surprised, Greg, like, really? You live in a family? Right, yeah. But your family doesn't have conflict, right? Never. Uh, (laughs) uh, Never do we 
not have conflict. <laughs> um, That's great. All families are going to have conflict. It's part of being human. And so I'm looking forward to uh, learning and sharing with you today. Yeah. I guess I should also share that I live in a family as well. So I have a teenage daughter and a daughter that will be a teenager here in about 18 months or so. So, yes, yeah, so we're entering into some new new territory and managing that as well. Fun years. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So. Yeah, fun, fun years. That's awesome. Thank you so much uh, again for being here. We're just going to kick it off. We're going to get right to it. Um, what do you guys think are some of the most common causes uh, for conflict in the family? Great question. Great place to start. So, I don't know, Elise, you want to start or you want me to take it? Common causes for conflict. Um, I can start with some uh, pretty much in general is that um, most conflicts, no matter what we're fighting over, tend to be about one or two core issues. And that is, am I safe or am I loved? So that's where I'm going to start out with. But oftentimes we are fighting about who's going to do the dishes or you didn't call me or um, you didn't pick up the phone when I called. And things that are on the surface seem to be the problems. What can you add, Greg? I was thinking the same thing. You know, money. Money is a big issue that gets fought about in families. Sex is a, a big issue that gets fought about among couples, mm-hmm. you know. So, so there are things that we fight about and we look at that specific issue, but really one of the things I always like to say is the issue is never really the issue. Exactly. There's always something deeper. So I'm glad you started with, you know, the, the value and security piece because that's really where it comes from mm-hmm. is, is um, most of the conflicts that I think we face are really not about the other person they're about what's going on inside of me exactly yeah and oftentimes we bring into our relationships with our spouse with our children with our parents um, a set of beliefs of who we are and how we're loved and how safe we are that continue to get triggered over and over based upon how we perceive others are interacting with us. So oftentimes that fight is, please love me. Hmm. Please um, make me feel safe. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't because we get into rigid type conflict cycles that tend to look the same way over and over. So uh, that's when we, you start hearing couples or families say, we always get into the same fight. And it, uh-huh. it, it never seems to resolve anything. We're fighting over and over in ways that don't resolve anything. And so, Greg, you look like you had something to say. No, that's just good because that's truth. When I look back at, when I look at my marriage, when I look at my family, really, I guess, church, friendships, we fight about the same things over and over and we get into those cycles. So that's kind of, that's enlightening even for me. Mm-hmm. Yes seems like one of the hardest parts about conflict is stopping in that moment to really reflect on what is causing this issue because you're so emotional and you're so involved in what's happening right there. So what 
What advice can you give parents for how to stop in that moment of conflict and really think about what is the core reason behind this? You know, what what is causing this conflict? That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I think of a lot of times when we think about conflict, we think of reacting. It's a reactionary experience mm-hmm. that we have. And that can lead to some negative conflict at times. Conflicts can be positive. That's one of the things that I think we need to remember is that, that conflict is not a, ne- a negative thing. It's our response to conflict that can be positive or negative and that can make a difference. And so, so that's kind of what you're asking is how can I respond as a parent more positively in conflict as opposed to just reactionary in the moment, letting my emotions get the best of me. I think one thing is conflict's inevitable so we can prepare for it. So for me, I'll tell you one of the things I try to work on is being aware of my triggers. What are the words? What are the, the actions that, whether it's my wife or my daughters or someone else can do that triggers me and can make me go from zero to 20, zero to 50, zero to 100, whatever that is. So the more aware I become of my triggers, the more I can start to think through okay, next time this gets said, or next time this action takes place, I can respond in a different way and, and actually visualize, actually think through how I'm going to respond rather than letting it catch me off guard. Because if I'm letting it catch me off guard, let's be honest, that's really my fault, right? Because I know it's going to happen. Uh, so if, if I can prepare myself for those moments, knowing my triggers, it just does a, it, it allows me to respond thoughtfully because I've thought through it ahead of time rather than reacting in the moment and being surprised that, oh, you know, my, uh, my daughter's going to, uh, take my favorite shirt and wear it outside in the mud. Okay. You know, that happened a long time ago. So we're past that one, but I don't know, at least what would you add? I, I really appreciate you brought up emotional reactivity and even and I appreciate that you said that let's, um, let's be proactive about it. You know, be self-aware. Know what your triggers are. Uh, however, because we're human, even the best laid plans can go awry. And Dr. John Cotman calls this emotional flooding mm-hmm. when we are just in that moment and we are reacting with a lot of emotions such as anger or frustration. And I'm not necessarily calling those negative emotions. They're strong emotions. And they can either be productive or destructive. And so one thing that I try to do and I coach others to do is to, when you're emotionally flooded, take a time out. Time out. It can be with kids. It can be with a spouse. It can be with a coworker. But call a time out. And that's just by saying, you know what, I need a moment. I don't encourage uh, spouses to say to each other, you need to take a time out. <laughs> <laughs> that typically does not work well. Uh, and for a time out to work well, I think it's important to say, I will come back and let's talk about this again in about an hour or this afternoon set a time. That's what makes it work. Otherwise, the person that you may be talking with may feel like that you're just um, avoiding 
and moving away from the conversation without it being uh, addressed. And that's going to create frustration and then make further this conflict cycle of fight or flight, uh, which we, you know, coming back around to that because when we're emotionally flooded, we are going to go into fight or flight. And for some, it means I'm going to avoid and isolate and withdraw. And for others, it means we're going to keep talking about this until we get it worked out. And, you know, most of us have a go-to there. You oh, know? yes, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I am going to, I and my family, I'm going to be the fighter. I'm going to, I want it worked out. Whereas other family members in my family are very much, I'm out of here, you know. And it has a lot to do with the family of origin that I grew up in and the family of origin Tim, my spouse, grew up in. Yeah. Uh- I like that you brought that up because I think one of the things we forget sometimes, or maybe we just don't know, is we actually have options in yes. how we're going to interact in a conflict. Most of us think fight or flight, and so there are the two options, or maybe freeze. Mm-hmm. I've heard the freeze thrown in there mm-hmm. sometimes, too, where we just don't do anything. But we also have options to avoid for a period of time, step away for a period of time and come back, like Elise said, we have a choice to make. How big a deal is this, really? Because sometimes we find ourselves fighting over things that really, when we look back, we're like, why, why am I fighting over this? Why are we fighting about this? It's because there's something in our value and security, our identity, uh, a threat to that that was triggered. But we can choose sometimes to say, you know what, this isn't a big deal. I'm going to give it, I'm going to let you have this one. And that's, that is an option. And sometimes it's a really good option. Sometimes we feel like we need to stand our ground. And there are certain ways to do that that are healthy and say, here's why I feel so strongly about this. Communicating out of love, out of respect. Uh, sometimes we have to step back and say, okay, let's look at the bigger picture here. Let's, let's collaborate together. Because maybe, maybe we can find a win-win for everyone or Mm-hmm. As uh, Michael mm-hmm. Scott said once, a win-win-win, I believe. Yes. Um, so the more wins, the better, for sure. Yes. That's right. So, so there are just, just knowing that you have options. And one other thing I would add that I w- I've been reminded over and over again is pray. Pausing to pray can change the dynamic of the interaction. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Greg. You guys have brought up so many great things. I'd love to uh, explore some of them a little further. Um, You guys talked about kind of conflict style and how, you know, each person in the family has preferences for conflict and even ways that they react to uh, conflict that seem to be habitual. Um, You know, as parents, uh, how do you begin to, you know, teach your kids about uh, healthy conflict or how do you begin to, you know, love languages has kind of become popular, but almost, uh, conflict styles need to become almost as as popular about learning how your kids, uh, you know, work through things and different things. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what the everyday parent can do to learn more about their spouse or their kids uh, and how to interact with them in a healthy way? Mm. That's a great question. Um, so I'm going to share a story real quick because I think I think there's a lot we can learn just by observing or just by allowing our kids to try some things. 
my daughter, when she was in first grade, my oldest, uh, when she was in first grade, she had a situation where she was in a school program and the girl that stood next to her kept stepping on her toe every single day, just stomping on it. So this really bothered her and we were at dinner one night and my wife asked, you know, what's, what's bothering you? And she kind of came out with it. And so being the expert that I am, I started talking with her about all the different ways that she could you know, go through this conflict that she could, you know, push into it or withdraw or whatever she's going to do. And finally she just said, daddy, I think I just want to write her a letter and tell her how it makes me feel. Mm. And I thought, well, that's not one of the options, but let's see how that works, you know? <laughs> and so we prayed for, her. she wrote the letter. We emailed, we did email our teacher and we said, but please don't, don't take over. Let her do this. Let's let her try it. And good night. It worked. That's great. So sometimes it's allowing our kids to come up with the solutions on their own when they're in conflict with, with others, or even, even when siblings are in conflict, allowing them to come up. What do you, how do you think we should handle this situation? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that, that's one thing is just allowing them because their brains, sometimes we could learn from them. I'm, I'm convinced that more often we can learn from our kids than the advice sometimes we have for them. Yeah. I don't know, Elise, what, what thoughts yeah. do you have? Oh, I have a lot. I'm, in fact, <laughs> I I'm, you would. I'm just trying to decide how to sort through uh, priorities here. Two things uh, I heard you ask, and one was how can you uh, understand your spouse differently or in a way that helps you have more effective conflict resolution and the second is how to understand your children. I think they're somewhat different. There is some overlap. Mm -hmm. First of all, our kids are going to model after us. They're going to, they are going to watch what we do. And as uh, one of my colleagues says, more is caught than taught. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to pick up what we do. And so first and foremost, I would say work on your relationship with your spouse. Mm -hmm. And Learn your conflict dance, if you will, how it is that you keep getting into the same cycle. Who's the fighter? Who's the one that fights? Or maybe one of you comes out fighting and then withdraws, mm -hmm. and then the other one uh, withdraws first, and then after they've had a time to think about it, they come out fighting. And so learning how to interact with a spouse during times of conflict is what I would suggest first. Um, I would, there are things to avoid. There are mm -hmm. things to avoid like blaming, like becoming defensive, like stonewalling. T taking a time out is not stonewalling. Stonewalling is cutting your partner out, shutting them out, and for sometimes for days and not the silent treatment, if you will. And so, and then one or the other will have a bid for connection, and then you'll reconnect. But you still do the same cycle the next time. Still do the, have the same pattern. So disrupting that pattern mm -hmm. is important. Finding a way to disrupt that pattern, to stay in the conversation, to, cal to take a time out and calm down, because you're not going to solve it when you're uh, so elevated emotionally. And also to have permission to feel your feelings, yeah. to mm -hmm. own your feelings. And that's where I think we can come to uh, a place with children. It's giving them permission to feel their feelings and then helping them, guiding them what to do with these really strong feelings when you're feeling mad, when you're feeling frustrated, when you're feeling sad, 
because there are some ways that hurt others when we're mad. And there are some ways that help us to have more understanding of ourselves and others when we're mad. And with children, it is going to be developmental. And I I noticed that you had a question about developmental Mm -hmm. stages. And I would recommend for every parent to Google or buy a good book. And I don't necessarily have one recommendation on developmental stages for children and for teens. I just think that's a a go-to. There's some very good research out there on this. These can be, these are the tasks, the behaviors, the thought processes that can be expected at age three, age five, age eight. And that that's information that's readily available. Yeah, I think that's good. And, and a word I want to keep coming back to, and, and you alluded to this, is awareness. Because when I catch myself, whether it's in the moment or when I do the reflection and think back, okay, this, we've had this, this pattern going on, what can I do differently next time to help break that cycle, to help break mm-hmm. this pattern? Mm-hmm. Because we need that pattern interruption. So, so anything we can do to become more aware of self, to become more aware of our spouse, of our children, of our yes. surroundings, our environment, to become more aware of God, yeah. anything we can do to become more aware Yes. It just helps move us a step forward in our ability to interact in the relationships with, with our family, with others, and with God, I think. Yes, thank you for that, Greg. I really appreciate that both of you have talked about spending that time with your children to help them build that awareness. It's not necessarily something that comes naturally to really think through and process all of that. Mm-hmm. And you both talked about giving kids the space and the time and mm-hmm. the direction to think through the conflict and to understand that there are options. You know, I don't think we come into parenting thinking, okay, I'm going to teach about conflict today. I'm going to talk about self-awareness, you know, but those are things we do need to be intentional about. Yes. Thank you. Good point. And I I like to think of it as you're giving your children a gift when you teach Mm -hmm. them how to be self-aware, when you teach them how to be aware of the, the environment and the people around them, mm-hmm. um, how to be respectful, how to be kind. I'll tell you, this is kind of a side note maybe, but I stopped using the word nice because what what is being nice? I try to be very specific about actions now. In my life and, and with my mm-hmm. children, be kind, mm-hmm. be generous, mm-hmm. be thoughtful, considerate, be good listeners, whatever it is. And, and I think, I think when we can attach those things, that's all, that also sets them up to be better peacemakers and better in situations of conflict, because now they don't just have to be nice. I'm not just being nice because nice Mm -hmm. is very, Mm -hmm. it's hard to define. Mm -hmm. And it's not listed in the fruits of the spirit either. So, and whenever you can tie it back to scripture and what they're learning about in Bible class and and then show them how this really connects with your everyday life. What mm-hmm. fruit of the spirit can you demonstrate mm-hmm. here? I love that. Yes. And nice um, also can be interpreted as giving in or mm-hmm. um, just going along to to get along. When sometimes you need to stand up and say, you know what, that it hurts my feelings when you step on my toe. Yeah. You know, and so I think that's a very good point. One of the particular conflicts that I think a lot of parents are, are dealing with today is, um, you know, how to help their kids 
with issues that, you know, maybe are outside of their, you know, comfort zone in terms of we have a lot of parents ask us about, hey, I'm having this conflict with my kids about technology or I'm having this conflict with my kids about, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the different types of responses to other things going on in culture. And it seems like Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the conflict stems from feeling like you might not know as much as your kids about something and, and you're typically afraid of it. You know, is there any advice you can give to parents about, um, you know, how to not, you know, interact with your kids in a, in a negative way just because it might be something that's new or uh, difficult or something like that? Right, right. That makes me think back, Greg, when we talked, we had a talk about um, how to use technology, and you did a series on that. So maybe you could speak to that one. We did. Um, boy, I got to think back to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think one thing is allowing our kids to teach us, coming back to that, asking them, show, show me how to use this. Show me, show me what you do with this. Mm-hmm. Learn, being a learner, being a listener, as opposed to just assuming that, that it's going to be negative. Because we hear all the negative outside about technology. And I mean, Every day, every day you can hear and find something negative about how horrible technology mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. If that's the only thing we're listening to, then there are some good things we're missing out on. And, and the best people to have the conversation with are the people closest to us, are our kids. And so having, just having conversations, I think being vulnerable as parents and saying, I have some concerns because I hear some of these things, especially as they get to be teenagers and as they get older, we can have more authentic conversations with them. Right. And so not fearing the conversation, but being learners with them, being being in life with them, mm-hmm. not just feeling the pressure of, I'm the parent, you're the child, I've got to teach, you've got to learn. Mm-hmm. But the more we can start to, it may not be a complete balance as they're teenagers, but the more we can start to see it as a relationship where we are in it with them and not just for them, it, it I think that can change our mindset. I think that can change the, the relationship that we have. And, and yes, there are times as parents where we have to say, you know what, this is, I don't think this is good, and here's why. The why is very important, I believe. Um, because I said so does not count, <laughs> but we still say that anyway. So, so the more we can learn with our kids, the more we can... Um, we can, when, as parents, being, being able to voice when we're scared about something, I think putting, attaching the feeling with it, that it's, it's not just that I don't like this as a parent, it's this scares me and here's why. Mm-hmm. Um, so being open and communicating with them and then it allows them to share back and for us to listen because we're sharing from a deeper, more intimate place than just, uh, than just on the surface level. I don't know. That's not very specific, but I think those are some things that I think about when it comes to our relationship with our children. And that could be technology. That could be anything. Right. Yeah. I, can I pick up there? Please. And so um, earlier we talked about giving children permission to feel. And so we also want to give our children, our teenagers especially, permission to tell us what's going on mm-hmm. and permission to tell us things that we feel uncomfortable with and that we maybe wish that we had not heard. And what I coach parents to do is don't overreact. 
if you ask your kids to tell you the truth and then they tell you the truth and you orbit into the moon, you're going to teach them not to tell the, tell you the truth. And so again, that learning uh, of learning from them, it's okay to come to me. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about what the pros and cons here. Technology is not going to go away. So it's about helping all of us adults and children alike to be good consumers and good stewards of technology. And so that just for that specific uh, issue, uh, but there are others, like you said, Greg, you know, it could be curfew. It could be uh, who friends are, concerns about friends. Um, and so again, it's come to me, let's talk about it. Yeah, and on the technology thing specifically, now that I've had a couple more minutes to think about that yeah, one. Yeah, I threw you out there. Sorry about I that. I think that's okay. Uh, I'll get you back later. <laughs> no, just kidding. We, um, I think helping our kids see that it's a tool. Well, one, it goes back to what are we modeling, but helping our kids see that that it is a tool. That's that's all technology is. Is it's a tool. It's a great tool in some ways, but any tool that's misused or abused can become something that's uh, that's detrimental in different ways. So helping them understand that, part of our role as, as parents is to help them set boundaries. We can do mm-hmm. that with them, especially as they get older, again, with them. Help allow them to be a part of the solution. Allow them to have a say in it. That that just gets more buy-in. That allows them to, it allows them to mature, to try some things out, we, there might even be a couple of things where we want something, you know, maybe we're going to have a, a contract in, in our, for our technology, for our phones, for our, our tablets, everything else. We set up a, a contract, and as parents, there's something we want, but our kids say, no, we really think this is better. Maybe we try that, and as we see that it is better, wow, we've learned something. Or as we see that, no, we, we really, our first instinct was right, we can come back to our kids and have that conversation with them and say, okay, we went with this, but do you see what's happening here? Again, we get to point, help them become more self-aware. We get to point out some things to them and coach them and teach them in that way rather than just saying, we're the parent, you're the child, here's, here's the answer. And so, um, so th- those are a couple of thoughts that, that I have on, on technology and just communicate, talk with each other, share, you know, about the apps that they're using. I do think, um, I do think you have to be careful about, uh, you want to build trust with your kids and at the same time you want to, you want them to be safe. So that's, I think that's probably the biggest dance of all of it is, is, um, and well, and as parents, I think we have to ask ourselves, what are we really trying to control here? Are we trying to control our children? Or are we trying to control uh, every message that they hear? Because we're not going to be able to do either one of those things. Are we trying to control? Maybe the best question to ask. Or are we trying to help them? Good point. That's awesome. And and thank you for diving down the uh, technology rabbit hole there for uh, a second with us. Yeah. One question that we get a lot is, is, is it okay for us to fight in front of our kids? Uh, you know, what does that spousal conflict look like? And can you give us some guidelines in, into how that maybe should work a little better? I do have an answer for you. That depends. 
There we go. Answered it. Cleared it up right there. Thank you, Elise. I think that if you are modeling uh, fair fighting, effective uh, communication skills, and um, modeling a, a an approach to conflict that um, has maturity and humility and uh, seeking to resolve something, a problem or a concern, yeah, I think kids need to see that. I think that if there's name-calling, blaming, defensiveness, stonewalling, uh, raging, back to the um, emotional reactivity that has um, gotten escalated or elevated, I think model timeout at that point, uh, model effective timeout. And so uh, there, there's probably more to this answer, but that would be what I would say in general. Yeah, I think that's good. And, and one thing I, I would encourage us to do, and I practiced this uh, recently because none of us always handle conflict well. All of the time. All of the time. Yes. It, I'm not sure how I said that exactly, but you, yes. You're good. Thank you're you. Good. So, so in those moments where I don't handle it well, and especially in front of my children, I think it's important for, for me to go back to my girls and say, hey, I want to talk about that situation earlier. I didn't really handle myself mm-hmm. in the right way. Mm-hmm. And, and I can have a conversation with them and talk about, here's, here's what I should have done. And, and here's what I'm going to try to do next time. Uh, but, but let them know that I'm, I'm learning too. Let them know I'm in need of God's grace too. Yeah. I think I think it's important for our kids to know that their parents need God's grace too, and that doesn't mean we intentionally decide to uh, you know lose it or whatever. But but I think I don't think I know there are going to be times in family situations where we have to go back and apologize to our spouse to our children, and that's okay. In fact, I think that's good. Some of the some of the best moments in my relationship with God have come from having to go back to my wife or to my children and say, I'm sorry I did that. Let's talk about this. Because it reminds me of God's grace, and I I get to experience God's grace and forgiveness through them. And I remember on the other side of it, when they mess up or when they do something, not even mess up, when they do something that's not even what I, just something I didn't expect, and and it created conflict, and they come back to me and apologize, I owe them that same forgiveness and grace because of what they've offered me and what God's offered me. And I get to dispense God's grace to them in those moments. I'd like to end with a little bit broad, a little bit of a broad question about just us as Christians. And I'd just love to hear your thoughts about, you know, we're given the title of being ministers of reconciliation and uh, Jesus, you know, encourages us uh, to be peacemakers, and he tells us that it's blessed to uh, to behave in that way. Um, can you give us some encouragement about uh, just the role that conflict resolution plays in the in the Christian walk? My first thought is that back to the core issues of conflict that it's often about, am I loved, am I safe, and secure? 
And so the more that we lean in to Jesus Christ, the more we're going to feel safe and the more we're going to feel loved and secure. And so as as um, perhaps messengers of peace, could we say that? That's good. That way, um, I think that our first thing, our first uh, awareness is, how am I with Christ? Because then if we're secure and we're feeling loved, we're going to respond to others that way. And then we could seek then, what is it that they need? And that's actually something that I, as a parent, that if I could remember in those moments of conflict to stop and go, Lord, what what does this child need from me right now? Hmm. Instead of trying to um, control, as you mentioned, Greg, or to um, get a quick fix or just get them to do what I wanted them to do in that moment. Uh, If I would just stop and pray that prayer, it would often have a different outcome. And I think that's the same with whoever we're talking with or whatever conflict we have before us. what What is it that they need? You know, where is it that they may be feeling not loved, not secure? And I, I don't always know, can't always judge that, so I have to ask that question. Hey, you know, and I'm not just talking as a therapist. I'm talking as a person. Tell me what, what this is about. Where are you right now? Uh, what's this defensiveness about? Defensiveness means you need to protect something. What do you need to protect? So that's what I'll start us off in that line. Pick up there, Greg. I almost don't even want to follow that. That was so good. <laughs> but what it what it makes me think about is tying to the the passage in Second Corinthians five about being ministers of reconciliation. I think one of the biggest problems that the world has is seeing others through worldly eyes rather than seeing them through God's eyes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about yeah. there is first we start with our relationship with God through Jesus. And then that extends to others and really trying to see past the exterior to the interior. And I'll tell you what, I, one of the, the things I try to live by is that I believe Christians should lead the world in peacemaking. Yes. And peacemaking is not a passive experience. It's not keeping the peace. And unfortunately, so many of our churches and so many of our families have just been about trying to lean the right way and say the right thing and appease in the right way so that we just keep enough peace and we we try to avoid conflict. We try to keep conflict out rather than running into the Mm -hmm. conflict and saying, we're going to bring true peace in this because we're going to work to the root of the issue. We're going to work through this. And there's a commitment, whether it's in family, with our in our marriages, with our children with our friendships in our churches, my hope and prayer is that we see a commitment of people who are willing to get past that surface level calm and that, uh, that just trying to keep the peace and really dive in to be peacemakers and ministers of reconciliation so that, you know, because we have the message of God, God made the first move in that. God is the first reconciler in our relationships. 
And once we, once we take hold of that, then we can tell everyone, one, be reconciled to God, and then two, you can be reconciled in your other relationships. So, and, and there are lots of different ways that can look. That doesn't mean everything's the same as it was before, but, but I believe that we, as followers of Jesus, should lead the way in peacemaking. Thank you so much for being with us here on the Fam Lab. I know I've enjoyed uh, this conversation and, and wish it could go longer. So thank you uh, so much for being here. We may have you back. Um, so, I would love that. Thank so you for having thanks us. Thanks for being here. Thank you very uh, much. And we will we will lead into our our Fam Lab review. Welcome back to the Fam Lab. That was a pretty good trend. Don't worry, I'll play music over it. Hey, welcome back into the Fam Lab. It's me, Barrett, and I'm with Matt and Mikey, who were just part of that conversation, and Roslyn as well. She's waving, but you can't see that because we're not on video. We just wanted to have a quick kind of wrap-up conversation and cover some of the things that um, we discussed earlier, or what you've already heard uh, a discussion on. But conflict is inevitable, and there were so many good nuggets in that. We hope that it was a blessing to you guys as much as it was for us. So we'll just kind of roll the ball out, have some quick thoughts on the matter. And again, you can email us at hellofamlab at gmail.com. We would love to hear your thoughts, especially on this episode. Guys, what do you think? Well, I'll say that I had lots of aha moments listening to uh, Greg and Elise. I thought there were a lot of great points that they brought out. Maybe the one that stuck out to me the most is that we really need to be equipping our children to respond to conflict biblically. I can't say that word today, but yeah, Bible we fully. need to, yes, Bible fully. We yeah. need to um, really make sure that our kids know God's word so that they can respond the way that he wants us to, because he does give us a prescription on how to handle these types of conflicts when they come up. And uh, I just thought that was great. Yeah. That we could prepare. I had never thought of it that way. And I think that's great. That's good. Hey, real quick, just, I'm sorry, Matt, I cut you off. But real quick, like, do you guys know your conflict dance? And who, like, I am for sure not the fighter. Jenna is 100% the fighter. She will tell you that she's the fighter. I would rather, one, probably deep down, ignore the problem completely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then, two... I I just want everybody to be, you know, I'm real quick to let stuff go. I'm real quick to move on, especially if it's me that's messed up. Um, That's a joke. Uh, (laughs) But do you guys know kind of the roles that you fill? Well, I'm definitely the fighter, and I want to figure out every problem to the very core of it and talk about every little part of every problem and Jaren does not want to talk about it at all. So, yeah, we have very different styles on that. I also, I some of my aha moments, Rosalind, during that conversation were that I do a lot of things wrong during conflict, and there is definitely a lot of room for improvement for me on that. So I appreciated taking the time to think through that and, and to start working on some things to make it better. I think for me I would probably fall in the fighter category as well I know that you know oftentimes I struggle from you know the minute a a conflict begins to I'll start focusing on you know maybe how to to win an argument or how to 
you know, effectively state my case or, you know, be worried about, you know, representing myself uh, in that particular situation and uh, can easily lose sight of, of what the core conflict was. And, and I think that that is something that, you know, comes from, you know, maybe a lack of, of preparation as well and a lot of opportunities for growth and, uh, and my ability to, to respond effectively in, in conflict situations. I think it's interesting that you say that, Matt, because I think, you know, he talked about, I think Greg talked about knowing what our triggers are. And for me, it's when I feel like people are not listening to me. And so a lot of times I think we do that to each other where we're trying to not listen and we're, we're not that we're not trying to listen, but we're formulating our argument and we're doing all this stuff and not really hearing what the other person has to say. And I think that that continues the conflict a lot of times because we we won't just say I need to just hear where they're coming from and stop thinking about my my perspective and listen to their perspective we're busy loading our weapons yeah I think when it comes to having conflict um, when my kids are involved uh, something that uh, that occurred to me during their conversation was asking myself, what am I really trying to control? You know, if I'm upset at something my kids did, why is that? What, it, what is it that I'm trying to control about them? And is that really important? I think, you know, one of the other things that they mentioned a lot about was just the, you know, the way our emotions manifest themselves in conflict. Um, I think that for me, sometimes I can even try to not act emotional and and try to use that as a part of me saying like you know I'm handling this better and and even making it you know kind of one of my argument tools when at the same time you know the the response is going to be different for everybody and it's not fair to um to to use the how a person is responding to a situation as a way to judge the validity of a of a how a person feels or or their particular view of whatever the conflict is for sure. Well, before I forget because I will forget. Kyle's not here. And you don't need to feel bad about Kyle not being in on this episode at all. Uh one if you're in the group of two people that missed Kyle and realized that he wasn't here, um you know, that's, it's okay because he's in Cancun and he's just soaking up the sun with his wife, celebrating 10 years of off and on wedded bliss is how he puts it. Um, so we are just excited for him. We miss him, things like that. Anyways, I just didn't want to forget and give him a quick shout out. Part of our fam lab is in, uh, Cancun this week. Okay. Back into the business of conflict, speaking of emotion and trying to keep um, you know, just being mindful of emotion and that sort of thing. He brought up, I think it was Greg, brought up a great point. Maybe it was Zillies. I've already forgotten. Brought up the point of don't overreact and this idea of how to keep our emotions, e- emotions in check. Um, and that works. Uh, I think they were kind of referencing it in, uh, you know, your conversations or conflicts between parent and child, but it also works between spouses as well. And just, you know, that if, uh, your spouse reacts a certain way. It's like, okay, I've got to be really careful with this news. And then we're walking around eggshells, you know, on eggshells, that sort of thing. Um, 
but I do think that it's so key, especially that's why, when I end up hearing from teens is if they've made a mistake that they've already made before. And they say, look, I've done this before and I know my parents are going to react this way. Well, how do you know they're going to react that way? Because I've done this before and they've reacted that way before. And so now I'm coming to you as almost a secondary person to tell uh, because I'm concerned about the reaction or the overreaction. And so it's so important, so key to keep our emotions in check. Not that we can't have them like Matt and Mikey have just said, but um, to be mindful of our response. Um, And it was at least that was saying to be, uh, even if it's stuff that we'd rather not even hear, uh, to just kind of keep ourselves in check. Easier said than done, for sure. Mikey? I think Elisa also said, uh, she she threw out the term emotional flooding, which really resonated with me. Just I, I feel that way sometimes when I'm in conflict. I feel flooded and overwhelmed by the emotion of it. But uh, what Greg kept coming back to that I think is is also really important is the idea of just being prepared, knowing that conflict is going to happen. We don't know exactly when it's going to happen. But if we let it take us off guard, I think that is, that's when we have that emotional flooding. And, and then just the self-awareness to realize I, you know, maybe I am overreacting because I'm feeling triggered by these different things. And maybe it's hitting on one of those causes. I really appreciated what they boiled down to the, kind of the three causes for conflict of, of security and value and identity. And just am I feeling safe? Am I feeling loved? And is this impacting how I view myself? Yeah, and I, I guess I really thought a lot about um, just taking a time out. I think that is a great thing to do. And I, I thought it, of it in terms of stopping sometimes in conflict, thinking about it, giving yourself time to think about it, and praying about it too. And as a parent, I started thinking about how, I mean, I can think back on my kid version of Rosalind and think of, I still have very visual um, memories of things that were said to me by my parents or others in conflict that still are with me and how those things just really stick and how someone did not stop and think, how is this going to affect her? How will this stay with her? And man, when, when I think about that, in fact, recently I've talked to my kids about some of those things, and my daughter said, wow, you really remember in, in great detail. And, and I went, yeah, I do. And I don't want to leave my kids with that, those thoughts of conflict. You know, I, I know that conflict can be a great thing, and we, we've just got to take it and, and, again, do what God wants us to do with it, and that's work through it and to, to give abundant grace and to share that redemptive love, let it spill over into our relationships with our kids. For sure. Along those lines, I, I loved the idea of the timeout. And I, as the peacemaker and someone that just wants there to be peace, it's real quick for me to be like, hey, let's take a timeout and let's talk about this later. But I think it's really important to tie that together or you know, make sure that you're scheduling almost scheduling the conflict, scheduling the conversation, but it's, it's, you know, putting off for a purposeful amount of time, the conversation and the conflict to say, Hey, and and do this with your kids. Right. I think, I mean, that was kind of my parallel with as a youth minister, if there was something that, you know, a parent could do of say, okay, my kid has told me and they, you know, it was tough for them to tell me and I want to react a certain way. I want to react maybe in a harsh way or, you know, I'm tempted to blow up. All right. Hey, can we talk about this later because I'm a little fr- I need some time 
and acknowledging, hey, I just need some time to step back. And we do that with our spouses, right? And so to do that with our, our children, our teens, hey, wow, thank you for sharing. Thank you for telling me. That makes me real nervous as a parent. Can we can we talk about this in a little bit and just let me kind of wrap my head around it? I, to admit that, I and again, going back to what Greg was saying, where we're in this life with them, we're not playing the teacher role and this you know dominant parent role the entire time. To just let them know, hey, this is tough for me. I you know, this is how I want to react. But give me a minute, and let me wrap my head around it and things like that. I think that's key for us. Um, kind of leaning into conflict, but uh, playing fair too. Matt, did you have something? I think part of, you know, spiritual stewardship, you know, as adults is is knowing how to get ourselves back to a place when we can evaluate something. You know, whatever that thing is for you that helps you to refresh or whatever it is that helps you to, you know, get your mind back right before you can reapproach something. And hopefully we're building those things into our week, you know, you have to create those times that are refreshing. And I know it's tough and schedules are difficult, but, uh, you know, when we go on mission trips with kids, oftentimes we remind them of the acronym HALT, uh, are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And a lot of times the, you know, particular challenges that that come up in, in situations tend to respond to one of those things. And, and ultimately, as an adult, you're responsible for, you know, managing each one of those uh, maybe triggers or, or symptoms for yourself. I love that, Matt. And I love the idea of helping kids process through their emotions. You know, uh, Elise talked about giving kids permission to feel their emotions, but they also both talked about times when you help kids talk through their emotions, help them identify them. I mean, with little kids, you you need to give words to their feelings so that they can understand how they're feeling and process that and try to figure out where it comes from. Barrett, I really liked what you said about talking, Thanks, your, I probably worked really hard <laughs> talking on it. your kids through your process as a parent. I think it's really fine for kids to see behind the curtain on that. I don't think that we need to keep parenting as a secret from kids and letting them know that you're trying hard and you're trying to figure it out in the best way you can is, is okay in a lot of situations with kids. And Rosalind, I really appreciated what you said too about how conflict can be positive because it's in those times that we have growth in our relationships. You know, it takes that effort to have growth as between parent and child and between spouses and growing and learning and improving together. I can't take total credit for, because my parents were a good example of that. And yes, they totally did what every parent does and yelled at me from time to time or lashed out or, you know, just, you know, popped off, overreacted, whatever. Uh, but they were also really good about, hey, let's talk about this later. Um, or just, you know, telling me very gently, ah, oh, that makes me nervous. I don't like that. I wish you hadn't told me that. You know, they're just really upfront with that. Um, so I appreciate them doing that. We are coming up on the hour mark uh, of this episode. So um, maybe one more thing a piece if we got it, and just kind of uh, closing thoughts. One thing I just wanted to say is that this is for all relationships when it comes to conflict. Using empathy can, it cannot be overrated. We have to learn how to put ourselves in other people's shoes and understand where they are coming from. And also we, we have to go back again to God's word and, and really pray about forgiveness because a lot of times conflict comes when, when we just are hurt. We're hurt by others and uh, we need to learn how to, to forgive others. I think the, you know, they mentioned 
in the conversation, you don't wake up every day thinking, oh, I'm going to teach my kids how to handle conflict today. And that's so true. But when we think about, you know, how we want to equip our kids to go out and be, you know, mature Christian adults, you know, we should value those things. And so, you know, taking opportunities to, uh, you know, to compliment them on, on how they handle a particular situation or to highlight you know, areas of growth or maturity. Maybe it's a sibling conflict or something, and, you know, they display, you know, a piece of of, of character or integrity in a certain way. You know, you want to highlight that, and you want to, you know, leave them, you know, adding to their own toolbox of, of how they can handle conflict effectively. One thing I learned in school, and this was a weird um, – takeaway from like a family ministry class that I took, but it has stuck with me. And uh, we used it, especially in our first like year or two of marriage. Um, But I think it would probably work even better with teenagers or kids. But it was this, uh, I think he called it a toilet contract. I can't remember if it was toilet or a flushing contract or something like that, but it was Dr. Dr. Brumfield. And he had this um, whole elaborate lesson built around this idea of, hey, if you keep coming back to the same ammunition in your arguments, and it's like, well, remember in 1993 when you said this, that, you know, if you keep coming back to that stuff, if you keep getting hung up and you keep falling into the same conflict things, write it down and say, look, when you say this, this really hurts my feelings. I wish we could move past that. I thought you'd forgiven me for this. Have you forgiven me for this? Um, Is there something I can do to help you forgive me for this? Because I've forgiven you for X, Y, and Z. And just writing those things down, having that conversation, not shying away from it, but then kind of dumping that, getting rid of it. And he says physically, like, ball it up and flush it down an actual toilet. I don't know if we ever did that. That seems above and beyond. But uh, we really liked the idea. And there were times where, okay, hey, we can't keep circling back to, you know, and especially early on, immature marriage, you know, just when you're figuring things out and you're adjusting to kind of a new way of life, that was for sure helpful for us. So, okay, we can't. We can't keep bringing these things up. Those are hurtful. It was the same with kids too. Uh, just because they've done it before doesn't mean you can go back to, hey, you've done this a thousand times and remember this time and remember this time. We got to be willing to kind of flush some of those things away so that we can grow from our conflict. We have to be able to move forward. We can't let conflict stunt our growth as a family or any relationship. So any other thoughts, closing thoughts? Weird that we're going to end on a toilet contract thing. Matt? This would be a... a a great time if, if you're willing to to share with us some of your stories about conflict uh, we'd love to learn from you uh, they're all areas that we can grow in this and so uh, please send us an email at uh, hellofamlab at gmail.com for sure or uh, you can use the the facebook group of the fam lab and, and share some ideas and uh, we'd love to have you on the podcast let's keep the conversation going for sure this was a very rich in-depth episode, lots of good information from Greg and Elise, and we hope that it was beneficial for you for sure. So we're definitely going to have to have them back, maybe get our buddy Kyle back in here. If he can ever make it off the beach, that would be great. But we appreciate you listening so very much. Hope to hear from you soon. Remember, share this with your friends and family that it would benefit. Deuces.